every time I say mother box, Liz laughs. another episode of movie rampage this is episode number four and in this episode elizabeth hi lizzie how are you hi tim i'm doing great how are you good good doing real well uh we are recording this on november 22nd tomorrow is thanksgiving that's correct yes we're giving thanks for all of the opportunities to see big superhero movies. I think when we were kids, we never dreamed that we would be getting like a Thor movie and a Wonder Woman movie and a Justice League movie and a new Star Wars movie, like all in the True. same year. So we're giving thanks for all of the options out there, whether you like them or dislike them, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's what we're absolutely. giving thanks for. Yeah. And I think it actually is a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot of stuff out there to entertain a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of choice. A lot of choice. Yeah. So uh, this episode, we are talking Justice League. We promised this was be, was going to be coming up. Um, it's been an interesting journey. Justice League released last weekend, uh, so it's it's Wednesday now. Uh, you saw it opening weekend, correct? I did. I saw it Friday, the okay. Friday of opening weekend. And I just uh, I just managed to see it last night. So Justice League had a disappointing opening weekend. They fell short by about uh, twenty million or so of what the of what their estimates were. Uh, hopefully, they're going to pick back up. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving weekend is a big weekend for the box office. Uh, Thor is still out there and it's going pretty strong. Uh, Justice League hopefully will be able to to continue on. Uh, before we do get too far and too out of control, we do want to throw our spoiler warning up there. We are going to be talking about Justice League in quite a bit of detail. So uh, if you have not yet seen it or you don't want to be spoiled in any particular way, then, you know, you kind of don't want to be listening anymore right now. Run away! Come back later! <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. But but do be sure to come back. Do be sure to come back. Although we have to say that, like, $97 million is... A, a good open. I mean, that's a lot of money. So for that, oh, to, absolutely. for that number to be falling short, it just speaks of the times that we're living in of how these movies are hitting. And for this to be disappointing. I mean, I saw a lot of that on Twitter. Everyone's like 97 million is not disappointing, but it is with projections and what they're hoping to make. I read something like they have to make 300 million to like break even. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's just in production costs. Uh, right. Usually marketing costs are about the same amount that they invest in the film. So we could reasonably be looking at a, you know, 500 million plus, which is a crazy number to wrap your head around for them to recoup their costs. Uh, and of course, that's global. So when we're talking the uh, 90 some million opening weekend. That's only a domestic number. So they, they are, you know, they are making some money globally. Uh, but boy, I don't know that they're going to hit that you know, 500 million mark. I did just read that they, that their marketing just put Superman back into the marketing cause they've really kept him out. Um, oh, which okay. is sort of ridiculous cause he's Superman. So I think every, you know, he's, 
he's been part of the press junkets and everything. So every, yeah. anyone in the know is aware that he was coming back. So to leave him out leaves the general public out of that knowledge, which is a mistake to try if you're trying to get people to come. I think Superman's a big seller for people because he's been the main person. He, he has his own standalone movie. He's obviously in BBS. And then to cut him out of marketing, I think, is only going to hurt your your take. So I think that I think it's a good choice for them to put him back in um, as far as the general public is concerned. For nerds, yeah. we all like sort of were like, Duh, he's coming back. <laughs> yeah, I think pretty much everyone expected that. I mean, you, you, you can't have Justice League without Superman. I mean, he's a very prominent member of it historically and, and in the comics. Right. And from the trailers, it was there were a couple of tra- trailers that it was pretty heavily alluded to. And interestingly enough, some of those shots from that were featured in the trailers never made it into the film. Uh, there's there's the one shot where um, where Alfred, played by Jeremy Irons, was kind of looking to his left and and up a little bit. So he was clearly looking at something that was above the ground, and uh, had some line of you know, thank God you you're back, or you know they really needed you, or something like that. And so it was just really strongly assumed that hey he's got to be talking to Superman. Um, he just, the line that he said and the way he, that he said it wouldn't be said to another one of these characters. See, that's uh, something, that's inter- something interesting that I always looked forward to in a Justice League is like interactions with secondary or like unexpected characters, like Lois yeah. interacting with Wonder Woman and Alfred interacting with Superman and like, you know, like those kinds of interactions always fascinated me, and I really didn't mm-hmm. feel like we got any of that. Um, which obviously you had a lot to get to and build up to, so those are nuances that maybe will come out in future movies. But like, that's what I always liked about like the car- the animated series and like stuff like that, where you'd get little nuggets of different people interacting together, like side stories and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. That's what I love about the Justice League. Um, so. That was, you know, I, I'm sad that that didn't make it into the movie because I feel like that would have been really interesting is Alfred and Superman's interaction. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, whenever you have one of these ensemble types of movies, you do have a lot of interactions and you have a lot of opportunity for things. Um, this is before we kind of jump into into some of the detail. Uh, I, I Obviously, I, I'm pretty sure that most, if not all of our audience knows that there's been a fair amount of controversy and change and all that associated with Justice League. Um, I mean, really, to be honest, there's been a lot of controversy associated with this entire particular run of the DC uh, expanded universe and, and with, with Zack Snyder heading things up um, as the director. And, and I think he is a great director, but he's really imparted a very interesting tone to these films, which just doesn't seem to be suiting it. And so there's, it's kind of created these camps of, a, you know, kind of an us versus them uh, of, of people who are fans of this and, and people who are not fans of this. For Justice League in particular, we did see Zack Snyder kind of bow out, I think immediately following principal photography. He, he uh, had unfortunate death in his family with his daughter. Uh, so both, both he and his wife who uh, work together on films they both basically took a leave of absence from this. And Warner Brothers then uh, hired in Joss Whedon, which was kind of a big surprise to bring in Joss Whedon, who's been a Marvel guy, uh, to bring him into a, a DC film uh, to kind of finish things up. And then we heard a lot of rumors spinning around about 
well, geez, Joss Whedon has had to do all these rewrites and reshoots and all this, and people saying that the movie was unwatchable when he came in. And so, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to rehash everything, but there just really was a lot of controversy with it. Where we are now, um, just real quick, because we usually do put, put ratings up here. Uh, I'm on, uh, let's see, IMDb. IMDb has Justice League rated at a 7.4 out of 10, which is not too bad. That's that's really not too bad at all. That is a, uh, that's an audience rating, uh, over 86,000 ratings uh, or reviews on it. The kind of fueling this controversy has been the rating in Rotten Tomatoes, though. And well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the review, in the, the rating in Rotten Tomatoes, first of all, did not come out until late, uh, which was one thing. And, and part of this was kind of the the embargo or blackout that uh, Warner Brothers put on a lot of reviewers. So we didn't really see reviews coming out until only a few days before the film released. Well, but. and to and to say about that is that like it seemed like a very uh, confusing move to put a gag order on the press when what you need more than anything is nuggets of it was great, it the action packed, like all of these sort of nuggets that you get from a press viewing mm-hmm. and they didn't have any of that. Meanwhile, Thor is dominating the box office with great press from from audience and uh, critics and everybody sort of loving it and having a great time with it. And so then you don't have any word on on early reviews on Justice League. Not only that, everyone who walked out of seeing it early said they weren't allowed to say anything. And the only yeah. reason that you wouldn't be allowed to say anything is so you don't have bad press. Because, like, anybody walking out saying, like, it's it's it kicks ass, like, anything you thought about it, you're wrong, it's going to be great. Like, that's what you needed. And so mm-hmm. to put a gag order makes no sense for reviews to come out like two like a week before makes no sense that was very confusing to me as somebody who watches that stuff and is interested in like sort of the pre it doesn't change whether or not i'll see it or whether or not i'll have my own opinion about it but i like to sort of know what the buzz is and mm-hmm. and to have zero buzz not only that but people walking out saying we're not allowed to say anything is is surprising no and and I mean, really, in particular, that juxtaposition that you mentioned with Thor, they needed to come in pretty hot and heavy to be competing with Thor. And it just, this was a very subdued opening uh, that that they caused with, with how they wanted to push this. On top of that, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the approach that they had, I, I guess you can do like shows now on Facebook. And so Rotten Tomatoes started this Facebook series uh, last week and they released it, uh, their first episode of it, I believe it was the day before Justice League released. So Rotten Tomatoes, even though they could have put out uh, their score, their rating of this a couple days earlier, chose to hold it so they could push this out with their uh, with their Facebook show. <laughs> that so, didn't help. <laughs> yeah, and and... You know, I suppose it was a great thing for Rotten Tomatoes, but that's one more thing that potentially hurt DC and, and hurt Justice League in this. But that said, when you look at what the score was, uh, and I don't remember what the score was when the when this uh, Rotten Tomatoes show first came out, but right now, looking at the tomato meter, it's a 41%. Oh, it was crazy uh, low before. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone really, was really like, low. what's happening? Yeah. 
and and that's from that's from the the you know professional raiders. Uh, now the audience score is eighty four percent, which is which is pretty interesting. Uh, so you know you look at uh, again IMDb's was seven point four out of ten, so seventy four percent versus an eighty four percent here, and there is always a, a difference between the two. It's good to see that there were a lot of audience members that that liked it. What's been crazy about GCEU from the beginning is the polarization of the audiences. I mean, except with yeah. exception of Wonder Woman, um, uh, maybe Man of Steel. I think the majority of people like Man of Steel. Um, full disclosure for our listeners, I'm not a Man of Steel fan. Um, and Tim and I talked a lot of before about not walk going in hot and bashing everything. I don't want to bash <laughs> things. I want to talk about the things that I like and the things that work and areas where I feel like there could be improvement. And I want just you guys to feel upfront where I'm at, where I'm coming from for it. And, and I don't want to go into it bashing it because I, I am super happy that we're getting all of these amazing stories on screen. Like I said, being very thankful for that. Um, and, and as a nerd, never having like dreamed that we'd get all of these amazing things on screen. So, um, it's cool to be a part of this time when we're getting to have all of that, but I am not a fan of the direction they've taken, um, man of steel, specifically Superman storyline. Um, so that led to me not liking Batman versus Superman at all. Um, and really sort of, uh, hurt, hurt, my view going into it, even though I really tried to be open-minded. I love Wonder Woman. I think it's great. It was surprising. I was very nervous about liking it, but I loved it. And I really actually like Suicide Squad, to be very honest, as well. I thought it was funny. I thought I love Harley. I love, I just loved, I I really liked a lot about it. Um, So I I feel like I was tentative about Justice League, mainly because of my feelings about Man of Steel and the Superman direction. Um, just to give you a full disclosure up front. (laughs) (laughs) But, but again, like this whole blackout situation, I think that would have really helped a little, especially people who have seen, I I think of like outside people, people who are just watching it all go down, saw the controversy over BBS, have seen the controversy over that, that probably hurts it. Whereas I don't I, I don't know why they ever released the information that it was unwatchable. Like who said that and was like definitely use that as a quote because I feel like that hurt it as well. Like yeah. that should have been locked in a vault and no one should have known that. <laughs> because I think how many movies are unwatchable at some point in production and editing sure. comes along or post-production comes along and, and tightens it up and makes it good. And obviously this one had a lot of issues, but they weren't unfixable, I don't think story is not unfixable you just have to you fix it but like for that to have been to have come out just is surprising and shocking to it doesn't make the whole atmosphere around this movie didn't make any sense to me especially off the success of wonder woman then all of this stuff started you know brewing and it just i was like "Uh oh (laughs) from the beginning so i wanted to be more excited about it but knowing all of those things i was like Oh, it's unwatchable. Oh no! Oh, oh, oh no! Zack Snyder's leaving. Oh no! Joss Whedon's coming. Oh no! They're blocking out the press and they can't talk about it. I kept hoping for like one thing to be like, yes, okay, it'll be okay. Yeah, well, and, and that's tough. I mean, there was. I mean, I won't go so far as to say that this movie was set up for failure, but it did have have a lot of negative press and a lot of state negative statements and just 
situations that in some cases were completely unavoidable and no fault of anyone who was involved with the film. Uh, but it just really ended up in this rough cycle of things that that did not help it much at all. So the 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 movie itself largely starts off with Batman catching one of these drones of Steppenwolves in Gotham, and something weird happens to this drone. It like explodes, and then it leaves this symbol and. So, but very clearly, Batman has been trying to figure out what these symbols are and track them to to figure out what's actually happening. We go from there, though, uh, then to uh, Themyscira, and we see basically the emergence of Steppenwolf in Themyscira, and it, it's so. The premise of this is interesting. You have these three boxes. Uh, which they cut co- the mother boxes. I can't. <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> I think it's from the comics, so maybe comic people are like all on board with it. But the name mother box, I can't with that. Yeah, that was that. That was a little odd to the point of of like mildly off putting. It was like, gosh, they couldn't come up with something more creative for this. Like maybe that worked in the '50s, but it doesn't work now. Like whenever that was written, maybe it worked then, but it's. Super dumb now. Yeah. The character of Steppenwolf, I liked. What? I did. I liked I'm the character. By that. I liked the villain. Um, there were, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk, I think, a little bit later about some effects stuff. And I had a lot of issues with a lot of the special effects in the movie. I actually thought that the effects for Steppenwolf were very good. Yeah. Now, Liz is shaking her head. She's like, no, no. I thought Steppenwolf was ridiculous. And part part of that is knowing that he was put in at the last minute to try to bridge a Themyscira gap and try to, like, pull in some success from Wonder Woman by adding Themyscira. Um, and so I, it felt su- he felt super disjointed to me and sort of pasted in after. I didn't think the effects were good on him. Um, and I just didn't. I know that they wanted to go dark side and they didn't go dark side except for they sort of did because they mentioned him once. Yeah, he did have a mention as Steppenwolf was like pontificating about something. He mentioned something about dark side and nope, never appeared anywhere else in the film, was never mentioned again. I don't even know why the name was mentioned because it was meaningless, essentially. It's it's a name drop. I think it's to try to build because, you know, that's where they'll go eventually. And you also know that when the Zack Snyder version comes out and Darkseid's all up in that business, you know, (laughs) which is, I Uh, think, for me, the reason why Steppenwolf just fell really flat. I just, he felt pasted in and he was, I mean, he just was pasted in at the last minute to try to create a bridge between Atlantis and Themyscira and, and in the world of man. Um, so I get why they did it. I just, it didn't, I was like, no mother box. First of all, no. And second of all, what's happening with his face? Like <laughs> make that stuff. Oh, see, see. And I thought it was okay. Oh, uh, well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm always <laughs> another disclaimer for Lizzie is I am super glad when people like things. It doesn't mean that I'm not on board with you liking it. I just didn't hit for me, and that's okay for me to not like it. And I'm super glad when people like things. That makes me happy. I think we all like to like things. Yeah. You know, but it's and, and it is kind of funny how worked up we we get when we don't like something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and you know, this is a rough movie. I mean, this is this is the first movie that we're reviewing on Movie Rampage, which I think 
overall is getting some negative stuff from us. Yeah, I know. We've been very positive. I will say another another little tidbit for our, our listeners is, I don't think I've ever said it on this show before, but when I went to see Man of Steel, I, I greatly disliked it when I left the theater. And I was surprised by that because I think it was the first movie in a really long time that I just didn't connect to, a superhero movie. Superman's my favorite hero, by the way, classically, like for my whole life. Um, and so I was shocked that I didn't like it. So I had to go back and see it a second time to make sure I didn't like it because I was shocked by how much I disliked it. And so yeah. I, I tend to like things. I mean, that's I'm known for that. People don't take my opinion seriously because I like too many things. <laughs> that's a thing in my family. And so for me to not like this whole iteration of Superman, my favorite character, is shocking to me. Um, and so I keep trying to, I think that's part of my disappointment and why I get so passionate. I get really passionate about BVS, which we won't talk about, but, um, I think that's part of the reason why I get passionate about it is because I desperately want to connect to it and really, really like it. Um, and it hasn't happened except for with one, like I said, with one Roman and Suicide Squad, but I keep trying. I really tried with this movie. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) So then I think after Themyscira, it took us, and I know there were some other interludes here and there, but it took us to Batman hunting down Arthur Curry, a.k.a. Aquaman. And they were up somewhere like Norway or something like that. And he encountered him. I liked, one thing I did like about this movie, I liked the comedy element. I thought there was some really good comedy. and I I agree. Uh, in particular, you know, Aquaman kind of poking fun at at, at Batman and, and, and actually at the persona of Batman. I mean, he mentioned a couple of times, so you just dress up as a giant bat? <laughs> I, and he, he's just totally baffled by it, but he's also poking fun at him. Um, I thought those were good moments. I thought it was pretty funny. I, I like that stuff. And I, I did like that Aquaman had to be convinced to be brought into the fold. Unfortunately, the encounter in Atlantis with Steppenwolf was not very exciting to me. That, that action scene and a lot of other action scenes, unfortunately, in the movie, they seem to fall flat. And I think it was the overall writing of them, I think, was fine, but I think it was the direction. I think the direction and the camera angles and such weren't capturing what we needed to to really draw us in and for it to, to be really riveting. Which is so surprising because those parts are definitely Whedon, I think, because he was in charge of the Steppenwolf part because that wasn't in there when, when Snyder was doing it. And I'm, I'm actually not a big fan of Snyder's. Um, I don't like his direction. I think he tends to go too dark on purpose with no redeeming like hope of the hope hope of the world sort of thing and that's what superheroes like that's the point (laughs) like (laughs) for me for me not for everybody um and so i don't tend to like snyder really at all um but i love whedon i loved him from buffy i loved him from you know all of his things especially you know avengers obviously and um so i was surprised by how much i was like oh no no I, i will say I'm super interested in Aquaman. I think Jason Momoa was a great Aquaman. I love the sort of surfer, like surfer direction they took with it. Um, I thought that, I thought it was a little, I don't know, either, I don't want to say cheap, but like uh, sort of like eh, to like throw Mira in there and have it be like a, 
And next time on Aquaman, you know, like the Aquaman yes. soap opera. Yeah. I don't know. But I get I get they have to set up a whole world, you know, in this whole and they have one movie to sort of to jump off and throw all the pieces in order for the the next movies that they're going to have, which Aquaman is one of those. So I get yeah. that. But I still was like, first of all, the graphics look like it's some sort of a, a not well done um video game and there's such great video game graphics so that's saying something um that it felt like a poorly made video game that it just looks so cgi'd to me i mean like we didn't mention the henry cavill fake mustache portion um where so henry cavill's uh filming mission impossible 6 and basically and basically the studio said he's not to shave his mustache. And so when they, he came in for reshoots, he had the mustache. And so Warner Brothers had to CGI it out. And apparently they forgot how CGI works. Because, like, here's Star Wars over here making a Leia and a Tarkin out of thin air and sand. And you couldn't make a mustache disappear without his face looking distorted? <laughs> that, that's the opening shot of the movie. I don't know. That was very surprising to me. And so then... I think once that that hit the fan, like the rest, I just was very attuned to a lot of the other CGI. Whereas maybe maybe if that hadn't been in there, I might have not been as aware of it. I mean, I, I would hope not, because there's plenty of movies where you see the CGI, but your imagination fills in the banks and you're okay with it. But for some reason, I was super aware, of, like all the CGI. Well, so I mean, the the first act of the movie essentially is largely led by Bruce Wayne trying to figure out what exactly this whole threat is. And then from there trying to knowing that he can't handle this on his own. And so he has to assemble this team, uh, the revengers or, you know, something. Um, <laughs> Stop it. So he has put together his team. Uh, uh, Wonder Woman gets some information uh, by way of this old signal from Themyscira that something occurred there. And so she kind of gets some idea of what's going on. And so she seeks out Bruce Wayne. Um, I did like in there how before this encounter happened, Alfred was kind of poking fun at Bruce Wayne for, you know, Hey, so you're going to just go find her, talk to her. You know, you, you it kind of like the undertone of, well, you know, you like her and you want to go talk to her. So why aren't you doing this? Yeah, see, and I didn't. I don't like any part where they're trying to get Batman and Wonder Woman together. It makes me mad. I, I I don't want them to get together, but I like that little bit of awkwardness that can kind of exist there from the attraction. I, I think that can be kind of a fun element, it, but in no way do I ever want them to get together because that ruins the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, you I know. feel like they were really in a lot of, not too many portions, but I think the parts where they were really trying to create some sexual tension between them. Mm-hmm. I just was like, no, I like was cringing because especially coming off of like Steve Trevor and who he was, who he's sort of the perfect companion for Wonder Woman and, um, and for her to like be interested in Batman, like is such a diversion from who we just saw her with. Um, it's so fresh to be, to love her with Steve Trevor, to have like Ben Affleck, like, or, um, Bruce Wayne, like poking poking at Steve Trevor and poking it. And I was like, I didn't get, I didn't dig their chemistry. So, I mean, whereas I would, I understand like the thought because we're not going to ever have Steve Trevor on camera again. Um, 
I understand it. And I actually really like Batfleck. I'm a big Ben Affleck fan as Batman because I think he already is sort of a Bruce Wayne-ish person in real life. So I did, I get him as a superhero, but um, I did not feel any chemistry between the two of them. And whenever they sort of said anything about it, I was like, no. Yeah. To your corners. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so as we, as they started to pull together this team, uh, and you mentioned earlier, some of the, the, the special effects issues with the, the mustache and such, we saw, uh, we got introduced to Cyborg. I like Cyborg. I think Cyborg is a very cool character. There is so much potential for this guy. And I like, and, and I know uh, Eric, when he did his real quick review, mentioned that they didn't give a lot of opportunity to develop the backstory of, of Cyborg, which I would like to see explored more, but I think there was enough introduced to it that, you know, there was something that happened. He was a football player, which to me then, like, it's interesting that how all these things came together and what his father did. You, and do you remember where his father's from? Uh, so Silas Stone played by Joe Morton. Duh. Yeah. From Terminator 2. And from Scandal, he's Olivia Pope's dad. Oh, see, okay. So I don't know Scandal, but as soon as he came, as soon as Joe Morton came up, I said, oh, he's the, he's the guy from Terminator 2. Yeah, I love that he was in it. That made me really more interested in Cyborg than than really Cyborg himself a little bit. Yeah. Well, and and so the story of taking one of the, you know the the mother box that the humans were caring for. Every time I say mother box, Liz laughs. There's a huge missing piece of the story there that this thing like they did this flashback and they showed that humans buried the box, but then obviously someone found it, and why didn't anyone know except this one guy? It just all that was all very disjointed there, but there was power from this that was that that Silas Stone had used to help out his son after some type of explosion type of accident that he had, and as he built Cyborg and he was kind of coming to grips with this new self that he had, he was very much an isolationist. But we saw as he kind of pulled himself out of this and started to integrate with the team you saw this football player version of him come out. You saw that human version where he was, in fact, a team player and his his personality started to show. Uh, unfortunately to me, what did not show well was the entire physical presence of Cyborg. Uh, the CG of not only the, the mechanical parts of of cyborg but even the face of victor stone that two-thirds human face was just so bad it was like blurry out of focus too soft it, it just it wasn't right it did not sit well with me and it was amazing that there were some parts of this where the CG was done really well and some parts of the movie were, a lot of parts of the movie where the CG was horrible. And f for me, fast forward to the end of the movie and I'm watching the credits because I knew there was an end credit scene. So sitting there and, and waiting for that. And I see, well, this special effects company and then this special effects company and then another special effect. There were pro like six or eight special effects companies that were doing this. So very clearly it was, well, this company is going to go do this thing and this company is going to go do that thing. And so you had 
couple of companies who did really good work and they did great things for what they worked on. And you had other companies who just were not there. Yeah, that made and, it that makes it difficult to keep a cohesive. Yeah, and it was and it was very distracting for me as I mean, I try to watch a movie and just enjoy it, but I also part of it was because of, of this show. Part of it's just simply because of interactions that I have with other friends and such, where I kind of do want to analyze a little bit more and I look at these things and it's like, wow, that's like really distracting. That's really off. And the more things that pull you out of the imagination of just enjoying things, the harder it is to just to enjoy the rest of it without thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. And it pulls you out of the movie. And and all I could think of, and, and I don't mean to say this to say anything disparaging about the, the professionalism of folks from, from Industrial Light and Magic, but all I can think of is that someone who works for Industrial Light and Magic was sitting watching this movie and at the end just saying, oh. Well, that was cute. They, they, they did a nice try. Uh, <laughs> right, because you know, they made I, Tarkin out of thin air and, and dreams and sand. Yeah. And, yeah. Did, and I, I actually think Tarkin has a lot of uncanny valley in his face, but I still think it's really well done. Yes. To, like, make a person out of no actual person. <laughs> yeah. like, you couldn't use a person's actual face and just get rid of his mustache without it looking wonky. True. All right, we're getting too negative. We're getting too negative. We're going to look back in. What did you think about Flash? Did you like Flash? Okay, I loved Flash. I thought he was really funny. Um, I think that was sort of his purpose. So I, I wanted him to... Because I'm a big fan of the TV show. So, like, part of it is I really want to see Aquaman's story. I love Wonder Woman's story. Don't care to see any more from Superman. We know that. Um... And where, whereas I was like, I really like Flash, I love the Flash TV show so much that I'm not, like, dying for a Flash standalone movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I thought Ezra Miller did a really good job. Um, I thought he was the comic relief in a lot of the portions, and he hit it really well. And I think he added a lightness that, that the franchise needs and learned yeah. from... Wonder Woman a lot of like people want a little bit of laughter and it doesn't mean you're not being serious and it doesn't mean that you're not being gritty or real or that that these aren't hard dark issues but it means that laughter and and tragedy go together that's the whole point of life is that like bad things happen but we find ways to still smile and so I think that yeah. I think DC is sort of learning that, like, oh, we can still, like, have... But it was almost like, like, one-liner, one-liner, one-liner. And so, I don't know. It was... I really liked him, but I felt like it... That felt like he belonged in a different movie because it didn't go with the movie too well for me. Like, the movie itself didn't call for, like, one-liner, one-liner, one-liner. I felt like it was, like, the other ones fit really well, and then, like, they threw Flash in and said, like, we need someone funny to go get in there. Yeah. I mean, they, it, it, I think it served a good purpose and it definitely did soften the tone of things. Um, essentially, the Flash in this was the Spider-Man of Civil War. Um, and, and I liked not only the comedy aspect of it, but you have a younger character, a younger actor. So it fits very well. And it's a character who has these abilities who really hasn't done much with them so he's kind of unsure he's not only unsure of himself but he also does make mistakes 
And and I like that aspect of it that he he did everything he possibly could to try to help. Sometimes he needed a little bit of encouragement, and I like that Batman stepped up and gave him that encouragement. Well, it's like um, he because his father's in prison, he's looking for uh, like a mentor, like a father figure, and Batman oh, sort yeah, of really steps point. in. And and mm-hmm. because and becomes sort of like that for him, which I like that dynamic. I think that's really an interesting dynamic to explore between the two characters. And I felt like out of everybody on the team, Flash and Batman had the best chemistry for me. Um, yeah, I thought yeah, their chemistry, as well as I think Batman with a lot of them had good chemistry. I felt like Cyborg didn't connect for me. I wanted to like him a lot. I like him in like. Teen Titans and a couple other iterations where Cyborg sure. is used. I really like Cyborg, but I felt like this one, and he's Cyborg, so he's not like all emotional or anything. Right. That's his, the purpose of his character, but I just felt like there was, I wasn't like, give me more Cyborg. And that's sad because I feel like I would, I want to like him. I just was like, yeah, he's there. Yeah, see, I really did like Cyborg, and I loved the whole, you know, he can interface with other technology type of thing. Um, you know, when he would get into any one of Batman's vehicles, you know, he could make them better because he's directly interfacing with them. And, you know, when they were talking about going out to Siberia or, or wherever the uh, Steppenwolf and his people were in this nuclear power plant, which is a little odd. Um, and, and Bruce is like, oh, well, if we only have ours, my transport can't get us there fast enough. And and the cyborg steps up and says, "If I'm flying it, it can." I think I might you know, have fallen so. asleep at that point. It sounds like <laughs> a great line, but I think I missed it. Uh, so that that is so you you said it, Liz. You you fell asleep, huh? I did. I'm sorry, gang. I really tried not to, and I drank a Slurpee too to try to stay awake. <laughs> I stayed awake for the movie. Um, I will admit. That uh, and I'm not throwing my wife under the bus. She she knows this. I told her I was going to mention she did fall asleep. Mrs. Tim and I are on the same page. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, like early third act, I think she fell asleep. I felt really bad about it. Even so, I almost went to see the movie again to make up for falling asleep. But then I was like, I like my money too much, <laughs> so I didn't go see it again. Um, but it was only for like five minutes. It was a very quick nap. <laughs> I feel terrible about falling asleep. Yeah, there were just, well, like I said, even though there was actually a fair amount of action in the movie, the action and a lot of other parts in the movie approached where they needed to be. But for me, at least, they never seemed to get there. Yeah. I will say, I thought that the CG around Flash, like the way they did his with the lightning, and that was great. I love when he grabs the Batarang, and I love when... Um, I just love all of the scenes where he's doing his thing and everybody else is sort of in slow motion. I really liked Mm -hmm. that. And I thought that was really strong CGI and really engaging action. So for that to not have translated into a lot of the battle scenes. The other scene I think was strong was the very, like the, um, the fight between the gang and Superman. I thought there was a lot of good scenes in there that I felt were tight. And like, as much as I didn't like what was happening as far as like, the resurrection of Superman and like that whole thing, like we're supposed to care. I didn't. Yeah. Um, but I thought the action scenes itself were very strong and looked better than a lot of the other uh, action scenes. So that must have been done by one of the companies that knew what they were doing. Yeah. Well, and I liked, 
I like the tension of that scene because no one knew what Superman was going to do. Yeah, yes. And, and you know, they did say going into this that they kind of expected it. Well, that's why they prepared themselves for the eventuality that it might happen. Yeah, and, and of course it's interesting because, well, hey, we don't know what he's going to do, so we're going to just, like, confront him like a bunch of badasses and really put, you know, it, I mean, it, which is almost intimidating. And, of course, Superman is Superman, so he is going to try to counteract anything that they do. Yeah, but don't but worry. I, we have Lois in the car in case we need her to save the day. Yeah, so they they bring Lois in, and... I can't. <laughs> that just seemed to... While I understand that attempt, it just seemed to kind of be a cheap out on me. I don't understand the attempt. I think it's ridiculous. And it makes me mad. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, Lois's kiss is going to fix it? What is this, a rom-com? Who made this for <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> that, it felt so cheap to the whole scene. I was like, mm, nope, and you lost me. <laughs> That's yeah. maybe when I fell asleep. I was so mad I fell asleep. <laughs> well, so they, they bring in Lois and then Superman takes off with Lois and he goes back to his house. And then Lois had then brought in Martha. Martha! Yeah, you know, this... While I get that they wanted to show how he was basically being... T- being talked down from this panic and confusion and such, they really didn't show much of the panic and confusion very well, except right initially when he came back. And then after that, it was just, okay, so there's Superman, and he has to come to grips with things. And I get that Lois is is kind of helps ground him, but they just didn't, that wasn't written very well. Well, and part of it, I don't Part of my frustration with that whole thing is he's been gone for exactly three minutes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean for us? Like, he's been gone for, like, <laughs> 0.5 seconds. And I said this before we when we were talking, is that if you like what they've done with Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman as far as Superman's story, and you felt his loss in Batman versus Superman, which I didn't. I was like, get rid of him. I'm like, get rid of him. And I wasn't mm-hmm. sad, and I didn't feel like... I just felt like that whole interaction of him dying in BVS was cheap. And so I didn't connect to any of that. So bringing him back was like, mm-hmm. It's like when, right. when in a TV show a character's gone and then they're back the next episode. And you're like, well, of course they didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> of course they didn't. He's Superman. So to have this whole emotional turmoil... I almost wish he had stayed like really confused and pissed and that the team had brought him back and that his purpose had been higher than Martha and Lois for Pete's sake. Like, because I I don't connect to his whole life as Clark. I don't feel like that's important. Um, So for that to be the like connecting factor that brings him back and causes him to fight with the team is, it doesn't make sense. I was like, this is not working. Um, but well, I hope other people liked it. <laughs> well, and the thing to me is that I can understand if you are counting on 
a teammate because of what they contribute to the team. But it seemed to me that this whole final thing was really so hinged on Superman as just Superman. Like the rest of them could have said, peace out. Yeah. And Superman could have come in. And and my issue with this new Superman is that he is insanely arrogant. And so this Superman essentially, you know, came in and is like, hey, I, I, I got this. I got this. You you know, you, you you guys are good. And aside from Cyborg doing the thing with the mother boxes to separate them, uh, there was no other... Uh, Batman didn't do anything else. Flash, you know, I mean, they even showed the inadequacy of Flash as he went and helped the family in the pickup truck and Superman's flying away with a condo. Right. <laughs> That's right. Well, in Wonder Woman and Aquaman, other than them having been pulled in because part of the mother, bo- mother boxes, whatever the hell, was in their areas, it didn't make sense for them to be involved either. And I and as people who are fans of Justice League, which I have always loved the Justice League, again, mm-hmm. huge Superman fan from back in the day, um, you get the sense that the reason they come together as a team is because they're all necessary. And this just didn't feel that way. It was like, eh. It was like um, Gilligan's Island when they changed poor Marianne and Professor to being, and the rest. So it was like Superman yeah. and the rest. <laughs> like... Well, really, and that's what, it, I mean, it, it's the Justice League. It's not Superman's Justice League. Right. He's a founding member, that's for sure, and he's important because of how strong he is, that's also for sure. But to have it completely rest on his shoulders and everyone else be sort of superfluous in the midst of that, and it's so contingent on him. And then for the team to not even be the thing that pulls him in in the beginning, like to, yeah. to, to convince him that this is so necessary, it's Lois who does it. I, yeah. I mean, you may as well call it Superman 3 for Pete's sake. Yeah, pretty much. And then really, and ultimately, it seemed that, okay, so he came in, but then he really didn't do much of anything. Other than be the necessary cookie dough that saves the world. Yeah, I mean, he, he came in and, and he helped Cyborg separate the mother boxes. And, you know, he did a little bit of fighting and thumping on Steppenwolf, but the others were also fighting him too. I I just... I. I was not happy with where this went. It, like I said, it, it felt like they were approaching where they needed to go with this movie, but they just never got there. And, and and that's just me. That's my take on it. There were things I really did like about this movie. There were certain characterizations. I mean, we, we, we've mentioned Wonder Woman, but, and I think we both, neither one of us mentioned that how much we like her, but it's kind of a given because we love, we both love the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. And she was wonder what she really continued a lot of that character in this movie, but with a, a different dynamic and, and working with the other characters. I will um, say there's one part where I really felt I wish they had expanded on because it really uh, added a great tension between Batman and Wonder Woman when he does sort of poke at the at Steve Trevor and he's like, where have mm-hmm. you been? You know, where have you been in the world? And sort of like hinting at, although it doesn't mesh with the end of her movie where she's sort of going off out at the museum and going in, in her costume. And we sort of right. get the impression that she's been in the world the whole time. But he makes this comment about, where have you been? You've been out of the world. You know, what have you been waiting for? And so I felt like that was a, a link that they sort of hatched onto the movie that I felt like, why wasn't that more prevalent? 
why like I felt like that needed to be explained of like or we needed another like another Wonder Woman movie in between to sort of get us there that she's been out of the world and um, sort of protecting herself in the aftermath though we don't get the sense that she's about to protect herself after seeing Wonder Woman so it was a weird comment though I liked if that had been the direction that I felt like they had taken with Wonder Woman I feel like mm-hmm. it would have been an interesting one to explore so I liked yeah. I liked the idea, but I didn't feel like it necessarily meshed. And part of my thing with the, the whole movie in general, and it was partly because of the director snafu and the rewrites and everything, but the story itself felt so disjointed. And it was like vignette, vignette, vignette. Like, let's jump here. Let's yep. jump here. Let's show you this cool thing. Let's go to um, uh, Atlantis. Let's go to, let's go to Themyscira. Let's go here. And so it felt... Yep. The story, while the story felt disjointed, I don't think the visuals felt disjointed. I felt like it looked like a Snyder movie from beginning to end. So um, it never looked like Joss came in and added some gloss and, or it, like, the one thing I sort of wished they had was that like epic Justice League superhero shot that you get in Avengers. And I don't want to compare DC and Marvel. I don't want to spend the episode doing that, which I don't think we have, but I think we're sort of, um, a little bit, I don't know, like used to that sort of feeling because of Marvel. And so I kept expecting there to be like a, like epic pullback or like a shot that I was like, just as like, and like it, there wasn't, there, there was no team picture. Yeah. I, I mean, really that's what it came down to. And the thing is there were, I think a good number of pictures of Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman and Cyborg. But Superman was just missing from so much of the movie. You know, they they do this resurrection thing, then he goes away, and then at the very end of the movie, he comes back and saves the day. And there was just, it it didn't feel that he was part of the team, just as the others were really starting to gel as a team. Yeah, and he sort of paced it on there. Yeah. And so I I just, I I wasn't a real big fan of that. I'm glad that the the Lasso of Truth made some more appearances in this movie compared to uh, the Wonder Woman movie where it didn't. However, it was a little too glowy for me in this movie. It was very movie. glowy. It was very bright and glowy and yellow. Well, which worked in her movie because it was bright and glowy and yellow in her movie, but it didn't work. But it wasn't used as much. You're right. Well, it had a, it had about three three key parts where it gets used in Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, but I did like that it came back, but I was like... They need to tone it down. I um, liked that it made it in there. I, I loved when Aquaman sat on it. That part and he's was like, the like, best we're, part. We're all going to die, and you are so hot. Yes. And <laughs> That part was the best part. I was so happy about that part. And I that think was that, like, great. Those were the little nuggets that I was hoping for more from in a group dynamic that you're sort of like you want those little uh, like what builds a team isn't how they fight together. It's how they interact in the in between fights. And I think that those are the little beats that we got some of and worked really well with some of them. But I like I wanted that to be what made me want to watch this team. And you never get that with Superman except for at the very end when when Bruce buys his home. Like you get one tiny little moment of them together, but all we've known of Bruce and Superman is that they hate each other. And so then all of a sudden, like Bruce is going to bring him back because he needs him so much. Like it just was very disjointed and, and strange to like 
let that all be the reasoning. But I, I loved that scene. I thought that that was like a really great team building moment yeah. when they're all sitting around. And I was like, that's what I want. I want more of that. <laughs> well, exactly. It's, I mean, it, it is the Justice League. It's a team-based movie and you want to see them together and interacting like that. And, you know, we've we've seen that in other films like the Avengers and such. And you need to kind of have some of that downtime where they're just able to talk and interact. And you can bounce between a serious discussion that is related to whatever it is that you're doing, whatever that main thread is. But then you also have a couple of little jokey, snarky kind of things that go around that just show the personalities and how these people are are getting along, you know, absent the masks and the capes. And and I it, it, it grounds them. It makes them it helps us connect to them because then they feel more like people. Right. It's the thing that we see ourselves in them. We don't see ourselves in them when they're fighting Steppenwolf because we never will have a moment where we feel like that in our lives. But when they're interacting as friends and goofing off and having one-liners and telling deep truths, it's like those are the parts that really make us see ourselves in superheroes. And I feel like the more that you add those in there, the more that we're going to connect regardless of bad CGI or, or directors coming in and out or anything else, if you can connect us to what you're doing in any way, then we're going to, I'm going to buy in. I'm going to be in yep. for it. And that's just what I feel like the DC universe has lacked overall. And I want more of from them because I love these characters. I really do. I promise. Yep. <laughs> um, and then one other thing I really liked, which I wasn't expecting because I hated the Batman versus Superman score. I loved this score. Danny Elfman's score was beautiful. I felt like he brought in elements from other uh, themes, like a little John Williams theme coming in there, a little like 80s Batman theme coming in there. I felt like I felt like it was so beautiful. And I want to just I want to listen to that score for sure. And I I hated the Batman versus Superman score because I felt (laughs) like it was just one bass note the whole time and with no no lighter notes, no tone in there, but I felt like this score really made me feel like individual beats for the characters. You can hear Wonder Woman's yes. score coming in. You can hear a little bit of what they're going to do with Aquaman in the future. Um, so I loved the score and i music really is a big thing for me and it pulls me in and I, I'll listen to a score for like weeks and weeks afterwards and think about parts from the movie. So I loved the score. I completely agree with you. I thought the score was really well done. I love that there were callbacks to old things because it wasn't just, oh, let's pull in a score from yesterday's Batman. No, this was, they pulled this in from, you know, the, the Michael Keaton Batman films. Yeah. Which was really great. And and, and like you said, from the old uh, original Superman films. And, and yeah. it, 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 it gelled together and they didn't kick you in the head with it either. It wasn't no. like really, really apparent. It was just, you notice it if you paid attention to it. And it was it was good. It was appropriate. It was really well done. So I I agree. I very much enjoyed the the score of this movie. I felt like that um, was like a musical Easter egg for people who are fans of the other iterations. Yeah. And I've listened to like the you know John Williams score. We used to march do marching band exercises to it when I was in high school. <laughs> sure. um, and I've listened to the Tim Burton soundtrack plenty of times because I love those movies. And so. It was like a little musical Easter egg for anyone paying attention, and I loved that about it. I feel like that is something that saved portions of it for me. I was like, music, music, yes. Oh, sure, sure. 
Um, so I love that so much. I cannot reiterate how much I love that. Yeah. Really well done. So obviously there's, there's going to be more um, going forward from this. We know that there's going to be some individual movies. There's going to be a cyborg movie, right? Probably. That I think is coming up. Um, they have definitely indicated from the end of this film that there's going to be more Justice League. Um, basically, uh, Bruce Wayne and uh, Diana Prince were out scouting for the Hall of Justice. So they found this great big old building which had this you know large ballroom type of thing in the center. And he said, ah, we can put a table there and we're going to get six chairs around it. And she says, oh, well, make sure there's room for more. Um, so I thought that was that was very cool. That was the movie looking at tomorrow, and 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 to me that's real important because they have they have a good franchise. They just need to get it in focus. They need to learn from their mistakes with it. Uh, it has a lot of redeeming values, but they just they they got to figure it out. They got to figure it out. And and like we started with this podcast, there's a lot of controversy with this entire franchise and how it's being handled. Um, and you can't make everybody happy, but boy, it seems they just, they need to keep tweaking and adjusting because I think they can come closer. One of the controversies we didn't discuss was the costuming of the Themyscirans, which was a big controversy coming out of the movie of like, yes. they hired, they got the guy who did 300 and all the chicks are in like warrior bikinis. Yeah. And everyone was sort of like, why would it? And that's not to say that Patty Jenkins and the female costume director on Wonder Woman didn't have some looks where they were midriff bearing because they did. And so, like, let's not say that they just covered all the midriffs in Wonder Woman because they definitely didn't. But as far as the warrior costumes, you don't see a lot of bare midriffs because who's going into battle with a bare midriff? That's stupid. Yeah, I'm sorry. You want things covered in, in leather and chain mail and it's yeah you can't just go out there so yeah that that was one big change and there was really no reason for it i I didn't see any reason to change much of the costuming between wonder woman and and this film for the for the themiscarans no because the the costuming in wonder woman is so empowering and it's not like boobs 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 abs abs like girl in warrior costume must have body showing like it was it was really showcasing their talent as skilled warriors which is why they hired a lot of people who are skilled at fighting and so for them to come in and be wearing like metal bikinis i was like um excuse me what's happening so i'm not a fan of that (laughs) yeah they're also particularly in the first definitely in the first act and i think some in the second act and not to say we haven't had this in other movies and other franchises, um, because I know Marvel has done this a ton with Black Widow. There were an insane amount of like overly gratuitous ass shots of Wonder Woman. Oh yeah, but that's got Joss Whedon written all <laughs> over it. You know, as they would like pan the camera and oh, there's her ass, and oh, there's we move on to something else. Yeah, just like that was that was a regular thing, and, and not that I necessarily have any problem with it. Um, like I said, you know, they also they, equally unnecessary. Yes. And that's the thing. It's like it, it does. It gets to the point, like I said, it, it becomes overly gratuitous. It undercuts uh, her character if you're going to go ahead. Because I mean, I, I, just to put a little money in Marvel's side, they equally do that with Thor and Cap and everybody's abs. Sure. So they equally yep. are gratuitous with the men yep. on the Marvel side as they are with the women. Whereas this yeah. one just felt like Wonder Woman's ass was just everywhere. Um, yeah. And that and that did feel like Whedon 
which I was like, mm, Josh, come on now, bro. Like, if you're going to show off her ass, at least show off everybody else's stuff, too. Come on. Sure. Like, I want equal gratuitous. <laughs> and, and sex sells, and I'm cool with that. And To a point. Yes, to to point. I mean, you still, the thing is you can't overdo it. You can't be distasteful with it. And yeah, I'm fine with it. And, you know, sure, give equal billing. I mean, they, they did, you know, show off. I mean, Jason uh, Momoa, the dude is ripped. He's got quite the abs. And, and they yeah. showed his whole body. But it's part of, it's almost part, it makes sense because of his costume and because of who he is with the water and the ocean. Sure. So it almost is more explainable. I'm not saying that they're, that it's not gratuitous, but I mean, yeah. it's almost more easily explained because of who he is and his character. But um, yeah. I'm okay with a certain degree of sexualization of characters. And again, so long as it's, it's balanced. Maybe that's why that that guy who loves um, that that reviewer was all up in the erotic eroticism, blah blah blah. Like maybe that's what he's talking about. We're not even going to go there. <laughs> okay, one other thing I want to mention before we sort of like do our like ratings and wrap wrap up or whatever um, is is a little Green Lantern action going on in there. That was so cool to see. I thought they nailed it that, and I thought it was like a beautiful like way to sort of redeem the because of all the you know we want to talk about controversy. Let's talk about Green Lantern, you know, like so. I thought it was a beautiful way to say it's going to happen, it's going to come, and we're going to fix it. And this is a beautiful way to represent Green Lantern in the midst of this movie and sort of nod to hit the the Lantern Corps future in the Justice League. So I was excited about that. And then the other thing I want to talk about is those end credit scenes. First of all, the race between Flash and Superman, which has always been one of those. It was sort of felt like to me the part, the conversation where if Thor's hammers on an elevator, would it, is yes. it does that make yeah. it worthy? So it was sort of a response to a lot of fan um, chatter of like who would win in a race, Superman or Flash. So I love that they threw that in there as sort of a, a nod, a nod to fans. So I thought that was yeah. great. But then they went ahead and did a end end credit scene. And how did you feel about it, Tim? Uh, oh, that's how I felt. It was, well, I am not totally sold on the characterization uh, that they have had in this run for, um, for, yes, thank you for Lex Luthor. So that was a little, that just seems off to me. They're set up for what I assume is going to be the injustice league. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with that fundamentally. I, I, I think that's fine. Um, what does get me a little bit is, Hey, you know, you guys, already did a villain movie and that's it you're done you're gonna walk away from that i mean why why not do something with that movie and the characters you developed in that movie um i thought suicide squad like you i suicide squad i thought was an enjoyable movie so why aren't they doing something more with it um i get that they want to bring more characters in but by God, do well by the characters that you have. Well, yeah, I think if they were really writing writing excellently for the characters that they had, we wouldn't question them bringing, you know, like new ones in. Whereas we kind of want them to just continue 
developing better the ones that they've already introduced. And I said this to you before, is like my dream for Suicide Squad was that they did <clears throat> sort of like an anti-Avengers and do like one-off movies for the Suicide Squad and then come together and build into sort of like a giant evil Avengers sort of antithesis in the DC universe and have DC create its footprint that way, which I thought would have been amazing. And I was sort of disappointed that not only did Suicide Squad didn't do as well as I would have hoped. And it was, while I really, really liked it, there were parts of where I was like, oh, it could have been so much better. Um, and it does feel like they're just being like, and we're done with them and moving on. Mm-hmm. Partly because Batfleck hasn't been the big success and people aren't like, give us a Batfleck movie, so they're not really using his villains to the fullest of their potential. And they're really putting all their eggs in the superhero, in the, in the Superman basket, so they're really pushing hard on Lex. And again, I'm with you. I don't appreciate Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor take. And I, and I understand the choice to go sort of a Mark Zuckerberg tech genius, like fidgety, mm-hmm. nerdy sort of Lex, but it's so against what I what I imagine Lex to be that it's tough for me to get on board with that. And he feels more like Riddler-y, sort of ridiculous, rather than like knowledgeable, like chess, like putting the chess pieces in place and watching it all fall and Superman taking the bait every time he puts it out there. And like, you don't mm-hmm. feel that from Jesse Eisenberg. You feel like he's yeah. like, just like insane first of all (laughs) so he's like a mix between joker and riddler instead of being like lex luther and you already have joker but you're not going to use him so if it feels like another disjointed move now see if if joker had been on the boat with him my mind would have blown and i would have been like yes this is exactly what we need yeah i would have been much more excited about that i you know this end credits scene they kind of completely dance around Lex Luthor's, you know, essentially breaking out of prison. We're not supposed to ask questions about how he got out. And yeah, because that was just, that was a little awkward. Um, what I, I mean, while it is a new character, I am excited about Deathstroke because Deathstroke is a, he's a very cool character and this could be a good tie to a standalone Batman movie, which I think they are insanely overdue for. Uh, and we're not even sure if they're actually going to do. Yeah, or or even with with Ben Affleck, you know, there's there's rumors of someone else coming in. So, but when you look at things historically, Batman has been the driver for this DC universe for years, and so we've gone through this period of time now in this rebooted canon without a Batman movie, and arguably. With very little presence of Batman. I mean, Batman versus Superman, uh, he didn't, you know, blow my socks off. In this movie, there is much more Batman. And with this very strange digitized voice when he's bat, he, he doesn't just do the, I'm going to drop my voice and I'm Batman. The yeah, they, Christian Bale throat cancer voice. <laughs> yeah, but they, they, they run Ben Affleck's voice through some kind of filter which just makes it sound very odd, and I, I don't get it. But how much do you think that's because we're at a Batman fatigue of, like, we just had a Christian Bale iteration, and how, how much are people going to buy into another Batman on screen? And the same could be said for Spider-Man, and they did it correctly, so people are going to buy into it. So if they did it correctly, but a lot of people feel like the Christopher Nolan iteration was correctly done. So I don't think that people are like, 
because people were dissatisfied with the Andrew Garfield ba- Spider-Man, they were perfectly okay with a reboot, whereas they still might have felt a little Spider-Man fatigue, and they liked Toby, because we all grew up with Toby, they, they still were willing to let Marvel ha- put their take on it. Are they as willing to do that now with DC, whereas we, well, the majority of fans feel like Christopher Nolan love or hate one or two or three of them, but like the majority of that is done a well done Batman series. So how much are people like give us another Batman movie with a different Batman when we just had that one? You know, so I wonder if that's partly DC's choice not to have a standalone. It just it feels like they're putting Superman more at the center of this, but they're not even treating Superman well. Yeah, they are. You're right. And they're giving him like beans to work with. And yeah. and I think that a standalone Batman movie in this universe with the characters they've already introduced, not attached to his origin story at all, because we already know it, everybody knows it, which is the strength of Spider-Man Homecoming, is to abandon origin story and dive right in. If they did that with Batfleck, I think that they could have something on their hands that people would actually, there wouldn't be controversy around liking. Yeah. I think people would like it. Yeah. But they're so tentative. They're so tentative about their about putting their slate out. I feel like they're not making bold moves. True. And for the first time, they have an established universe. Yeah, which which is one benefit of this slow build that they've had is that they do have an established universe. So you can finally. <laughs> yeah, you 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 can give some reason for all the other members of the Justice League to be busy. Batman has his own movie. And, you know, let's see some of these other characters come to play. But yeah, like you said, I mean, Joker has been so hyped up, uh, this version of Joker, yet he just hasn't been used. Yeah. And I think he's good. I think he was manic and kooky enough. And if he had Harley by his side, that he would really hit it off and be Mm -hmm. the right mix for this app for this Ben Affleck Batman. I think he would be yeah. great. And and think of how well he'd mix with Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. It would ground or it would not ground Lex. It would make him even crazier, but it would work in them being like the crazy pants all getting together. Like I would be on board with that and it would be different and unique to me. And what has felt derivative is this sort of like now we have end credit scenes. Now we're going to, you know, like all of this sort of derivative trying Oh, we have to add humor, which I want, but it's like, it's, there's nothing that feels DC. It feels like we want to build our own because we, because we have superheroes too, you guys. And like, you don't need that. You have the seminal characters that started everything. And that's what I said from the beginning is sort of disappointing is that they're sort of putting their building blocks in as an afterthought in a derivative way. And I want them to find their flavor on their own. And maybe they are with the whole dark and gritty thing, and that's just not, as we've talked about in other shows, that's just not for me. I don't like dark and gritty. I don't. The, I think the world is a dark place, and I would rather walk away with hope or laughter or, like, or epic shots. And, like, and I just don't feel like that walking out of a lot of DC movies, with the exception of Wonder Woman. Um, so I, don't, I just want more. I want so much more. I would love to see, like, a kooky... Like, put those villains together and get crazy with it. Like, go outside of the box and stop doing the safe choices. I think they're making a lot of safe choices, and I don't think it's helping them. Whereas, what's safe about coming up with a superhero in the 50s that fights Nazis? You know, in the 40s that fights Nazis? What's safe about that? That's... Right. That's... It's not safe. It wasn't safe when they came up with comic books. It, it, 
it was completely new and not safe and it was intrepid and, and fresh and it's just that's not how it feels and I want it to because I believe in DC and I love the characters. Mm-hmm. So that's my <laughs> get off my soapbox now. No, I, I, I can't disagree with it. I, I just um I, I want them to keep going. I want them to keep going. And they 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 just need to keep trying and I'm hoping that they are listening to and I'm it's not to say that fans are always right either because uh, no of course not you know you, you and I do a lot with the Star Wars fandom and and a good chunk of the Star Wars fandom will oftentimes piss me off because they get so focused on what their own likes and dislikes are and this is yeah. what I want to see and this is what has to happen and if you have any other opinion you're wrong well no, you're not wrong. You just have a different opinion, and let's, you know, let's let's talk about this. But I, I think there there is some need to listen to fans in this. I think there's some need for them to look at things reflectively of not only what they have done and learn from the good and the bad of it, but also look at earlier iterations of your big characters of your Batman and your Superman and say, okay, here's what worked in the past. Here's what didn't work. Um, let's try to build something that is sustainable going forward. And and obviously they also have to look at Marvel. They're, they're foolish to not look at Marvel. They're foolish to not try to emulate it because Marvel has cracked the code. They know the freaking formula. That's very true. I mean, you can't, like, if the being derivative has worked for plenty of franchises and is... Yeah a tried and true, you know, replicating what's great, but how could you almost be doing, like, creating and building in a similar... Because I think the thing that's missing from DC is a Kevin Feige, like, whatever, however you say his last name. Um, He has such a vision and has sort of driven this from the beginning with his team, and and they set the building blocks years ago. In 2008, they knew where they were going to go with it, and they knew what they wanted to accomplish. And I think what's happening at DC... And to say that, like, creativity is about trying and failing and trying and succeeding and trying and learning and doing all of that. So kudos to DC for putting out whatever they put out and learning and keeping on and not saying, oh, we had a, we had a movie that didn't perform well, we'll just scrap it. That, that doesn't help anything because you've already put it out there. Just make it better. Um, yep. But so, uh, you know, part, part of it is just how can – yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I lost where I was going with that, but like, I got That's on a tangent. Okay. That's okay. Um, of course, learning from what's successful, but how can we sort of like do what we do successfully, but sort of it with our own DC flavor? I feel like, or or what I was saying was Kevin being the the driving force. I feel like they're missing that driving force. There's not like yeah. one dude at DC that's like, this is where we're going, and everybody gonna board. You feel like everything has Zack Snyder written all over it. But he's not in charge of everything, and now he left the franchise. So where does that leave it? They need a visionary. Yeah, they yeah. do. They, they, I feel they like need that a visionary would... to kind of steer the ship, and, and yeah. So with all that being said, oh, the question that you love to hate, how do you rate this movie? Oh, no. Jonas is going to be so mad at me. <laughs> He's gonna hate. He's gonna hate this whole episode. I tried, Jonas. I tried. <laughs> um, I think oh, it's gonna be so low. Okay, I'm probably gonna put it up a couple points just to try to not make it be so low. 
I'm going to give it a three and a half. Ouch. Ooh, that's bringing it up a couple points. Wow. Wow. Three, I'll give it a 3.75 because I want to believe 3. in. 3.75, that's right. I want to believe in good things. I was, um, I'm, I'm going to go five. Okay, okay. I'm going to go five with it. I, I think it did Generous. have a lot of good things and a lot of redeeming things, but there were just issues that were so glaring to me and it just didn't get to where it needed to go. I think a lot of the times when I rate a movie, it's partly based on how I walk out feeling. Like the experience mm-hmm. that I had in Tones, and that's the memory that I have. Like I remember how I felt walking out of Man of Steel and I remember how I walk, felt walking out of Avengers and there might have been parts in the movie that I enjoyed or disliked or whatever. There's an ebb and flow in every movie. But like, how did I feel walking out? And I walked out and was like, I hope I never see this movie again. I never want to see this movie again. I, yeah. I look yeah. forward to seeing what they do in the future. I'm going to watch Aquaman for sure. I wish we didn't have to wait so long for a second Justice League. I'll watch Wonder Woman 2. I'll watch... Probably won't watch any other Man of Steel movies because, again, I'm not a huge fan. But I want to watch the rest. I want to be engaged in it. But I hope never to see this movie again. I'm, if it was on a plane, I feel like it'd be torture for me. Yeah, you know, and that's actually a good point because I don't think I would ever watch this movie again either. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that rewatchability is, uh, I think that's a big factor. So That's where a lot of the other money comes from is people buying it on DVD because they liked it enough to want to watch it seven more times on their own. Yeah. That said, it is on my movie draft, so folks, go go to the theater and see it. (laughs) That's why I kept mentioning Thor so much because they're both on his movie draft. That's right. That's right. All right, folks. So we're going to wrap this one up. Um, Please do send us your feedback. We want to know what you think. Did you agree with us? Did you disagree with us? Um, Was there something... We love you either way. We do. We, we do love you either way. Um, you know, let us know what you're thinking. Did we miss something, uh, you know, for, for better or for worse? Uh, so one way you can send this feedback is by way of email, and you can hit us up at movierampage at randomchatter.com. And we uh, love to hear feedback and would love to hear, if you did like it, why you liked it. Because, I mean, I love to have that discussion. And again, ask our former host, Jonas. He, he and I discuss Marvel DC all the time. And and nobody's wrong. I mean, I'll say he's wrong because it's part <laughs> of our shtick. And Tim's always wrong. But nobody's wrong. And it's it's opinions and, like, finding those the grace in, in the difference of opinions that bring us together as fans. Like Tim was saying about the Star Wars uh, fandom, a lot of times it's difficult because it's that legalistic right and wrong thing. Um Regardless of how much we love or dislike something, we love you and we want you to like be like, no, this is why you should like it. Give it another watch, you know, that kind of thing. So find us online and tell us all those things because we want to know and we love you and we want to hear from you. And so you can find us on Facebook.com slash Random Chatter Network. You can troll us both at on Twitter. We're both on Twitter. We will send you gift, 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 like back and forth. <laughs> Basically every morning, Tim trolls me with some baiting gift every morning. So you can get in on that. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I only tell the truth on Twitter. 
You're a liar. <laughs> if you want to be a part of that, you can. So at Movie Rampage Pod is our Movie Rampage Insta. I mean, uh, not Insta, Twitter. And then we have at Random Chatter. I'm also on Instagram if you're on Instagram, at Nerd in the Sand. But my Twitter is at Nerd in the City. And Tim's is at? At Qui-Gon Tim. That's Tim with two M's. And then you can find the rest of our shows at randomchatter.com. Tim and I are on the main random random chatter podcast with Lou. And then Tim does a Star Wars Echo Base. And we've got a lot of new shows coming out. So if you like podcasts and you like the sound of our beautiful, melodious voices, um, (laughs) you can find them in other places. (laughs) So go to randomchatter.com if you want to hear me screech about (laughs) BBS. Just kidding. I won't screech. (laughs) I tried not to screech. I screeched before just so that I wouldn't screech in the episode. Right, Tim? It's true. It's true. And there might actually be recording of that. So He'll he'll share the soundbite on Patreon, which Tim will tell you about. (laughs) Uh, we definitely appreciate folks spreading the word and supporting us, um, both for this show, uh, Movie Rampage, which uh, this is only episode four, so we're still pretty new. Uh, we're still liking to grow our listenership. So um, if you know folks that like movies and they like to listen to movie reviews, please let them know uh, about our existence. And uh, that would just be wonderful. We, we, we like to grow up. And also Random Chatter as a whole, uh, if you listen to any of the other things, and Liz mentioned a lot of them that, that we do on the network here, uh, whether it's something Star Wars or general pop culture or, or whatever, uh, please tell people about us. You, you know, probably have friends who share common interests. And so ask them what kind of podcasts they're listening to, and, and we appreciate getting some recommendations. Uh, leaving reviews also is a great way to help spread the word. So iTunes, Google Play, wherever it is that you might be listening to your podcast, you can click on all the stars and please make sure to write in some narrative um, about why you like us so much. And uh, we also like a little bit of financial support too. patreon.com slash random chatter. That's where you can throw some dollars at us. Uh, it, it, it is a big help. Like we just renewed our um uh, website hosting license, uh, like last week. And, you know, so that, that costs money and it costs money for, uh, the data storage and that kind of stuff. So yeah, Lizzie wants you to make it rain. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, so even a dollar a month, uh, through patreon.com slash random chatter will get you access to our Slack channel. Uh, if you're not familiar with Slack, it is, uh, pretty much just a, a, a chat room with a bunch of other smaller little baby chat rooms. Uh, with um, covering topics, all sorts of topics, not only the things that we podcast about, but other things as well. Uh, You can join the hosts and other staff and a bunch of our contributors and and fans uh, in there. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, It's active through much of the day. It's a great distraction from work. Um, And uh, and it's good. So, you know, again, patreon.com slash random chatter. You give us something, we give you something back. So, you know, that access to Slack is what you get for the dollar a month. Uh, going up from there, $5, $10, etc., uh, you get early access to shows. You get premium content, which does not get released out publicly uh, and is oftentimes unedited. So you get to, you know, hear me drop F-bombs and stuff. Uh, good times, good times. Now, don't listen to it at work or like when your kids are around. We do like to but, drop, drop F-bombs. Yeah, yeah, that, that does happen once in a while. So we definitely appreciate your support. Um, And the music you hear on this podcast is by Bearded Audio. Thanks, Ian. 
And there it is, folks. Uh, Movie Rampage Episode 4. We're going to come back with Movie Rampage Episode 5, and we're going to talk about our favorite Christmas films. Because it's almost Christmas. That's right. We're almost there. So well, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Yes, Even happy you're Thanksgiving. not going to hear this till after Thanksgiving, but happy Thanksgiving anyways. Yeah, I'm not that quick with the editing. The editing. <laughs> we hope you ate lots of turkey, <laughs> and we hope you ate lots of not turkey if you're a, a vegetarian. You don't eat the turkey if you're a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah no, they're not going to do that. Go and watch movies, people. <laughs>